your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Hello, everybody. Okay, we're going to be talking about will, faith, and trust, three keys to a worthy life. I have to apologize. I'm not using my regular microphone today, so if the quality is not the same, I, I do apologize for that, but we're going to get through this. All right, now what is will? Will, will is defined as a diligent purposefulness, a determination within us, such as an athlete uh, with, the, with the will to win. Or a, a, a self-control, people with self-control, self-discipline, uh, they, uh, if they uh, don't have that, they lack the will to, let's say, overcome an addiction. Or uh, a desire, a purposeful determination, especially one in authority, that's also called the will. Um, but basically, you know, it's a deliberate intention, and it's something that we consciously do, and it's a free uh, inclination or pleasure that we go towards, that we try to will something to happen. And it's an attitude and it's a disposition that all of us take. And so it's kind of hard to define it. And the many people over the centuries have tried to define will, but it is the one thing that makes our life propel forward. It gets us through the hard things in life. And it's very important to have will as a part of our quality as us as people. You know, uh, do we have the ability to make our own choices and determine our own fates? Well, you know, will is a part of that. Now, I would suggest also, um, you know, there's a fact that we have a free will, and that means we have the will and the, the freedom to make bad choices and to do bad things. And the good thing about will is, is if you can apply it in a good way to your value systems, to your spirituality, to your belief in God, and you use the will to propel you to do the things that you don't want to necessarily do, you're too lazy to do, the will will get you through it. And, and, and that is a part of our soul. That is a part of us being purposeful in our life. And people that are purposeful in their life live full and rich lives. That doesn't mean that they don't have problems, they don't have issues, they don't have frailties. Uh, but it does mean that they have the ability to will themselves through God, through whatever their spirit is, to s- propel themselves through bad situations and make them better. When we do that, our will is what gives us hope. It, it's what gives us faith. It's what gives us the trust in ourselves that we can get through the hard things in life. And people that lack will and that give up easily have a difficult time in life because they live what's called a reactive life rather than a proactive life. And so will is is something that is in our physics, it's in our biology, in our brain. And the question of free will has, has challenged people over, you know, philosophers, religious thinkers, scientists, they examine the problem from a, a physiological, a biological, and genetic perspectives. But, it, you know, it, it, it has a lot to do with our bargain with ourselves as to what kind of life we want to live. The, the things that come against us are all the people that are naysayers, all the people that are going to tell you you can't do something, uh, your parents that may put you down or say you can't, 
uh, your family traditions that may not have been an example of a life uh, filled with will. You know, most people live what are called a mediocre life. Most people are mediocre. They get by. They do well or they do not well, but they get by. And uh, those that's a lazy existence. That's not a purposeful life. And so when we're talking about will, will is what makes people stand through their hard times, stand through difficulty and still make it and still succeed in some way. Uh, to, to accomplish the goals that they've set before them. You know, it's still not clear whether or not humans actually have free will. And it's been determined that, that certain behaviors are heavily influenced by our genetics, by our brain chemistry, by our environment. But psychological research has tended to find that believing in a free will can be beneficial for mental health. That means that we have the, be- the ability to manifest somewhat of an outcome in our life. We just keep marching Even if everything is going against us, we have faith, we have trust in God, and that gets us through the hard times. You know, uh, self-determination can make many people more aggressive and less helpful. And as long as individuals remain aware that many factors can influence behavioral uh, behavior subconsciously, it can be more healthy to think that we have control over our destinies. Well, we do. We do have free will in this life. That means we have the ability to make choices and to follow through with those choices, whether they are bad or good. You know, let's talk about faith now. We talked about the three words, will, faith, trust. These are powerful words in our life, and if we make them a part of our value system, if they make them a part of our character, we are going to have a life filled with integrity. Even if we're ugly old people, we're still going to be attractive in our spirit. You know, the philosopher uh, Richard Rorty talks about people's final vocabulary, words and phrases we use when we're done wondering about something, like when you say, it just is, or because I said so. You know, think of that. Think of some kid who discovers that he can he can tie you in knots by asking, but why, but why, but why, after everything you say. And when you're in the end of your your rope, you'll employ a final vocabulary to get him to stop. Look, you say, I don't have all day. You know, the, the, in fact, you do have all day, but that's all you have. Only 24 hours this is distributed over many questions and decisions. You have to prioritize not just dismissing kids and their endless questions, but dismissing all sorts of questions, wonders, and doubts. The biggest social science trend of the last 50 years is towards acknowledgement of bounded reality. We can't reason our way through a perfect decisions about everything, so we reason a bit, then we draw conclusions. And we might leap to conclusions, which is called a leap of faith, and creep slowly to them. But one way or another, we're round up, uh, up and down from the evidence to the conclusion so we can get up and get on with whatever else makes the demands of our day. So what I'm trying to say is faith is what life is all about. It is a leap of faith. Life is a leap of faith. All things that we do, we don't know. We don't have a guarantee on the outcome. And so we have to live in faith that whatever we're doing is going to propose us to a better place. It's going to propel us into a place that we want to be. And so faith is what it takes. When we have a will, we don't know what the outcome is, and then we propel ourselves through faith by taking a chance. And then as we move through that and we start to see the outcomes that we're looking for or that we may not even look for, maybe far greater than what we were looking for, what we end up doing 
is acknowledging that our existence is purposeful. So it's very important to understand that faith is, is involved in all of our decisions in life because we depend on each other and not everybody is going to follow through. Not everybody's going to do what they promised. Not everybody's going to do what they said they were going to do. But we have to have faith in them. And so when you break people's trust, what you have to do is ask them to have faith in you, that you've learned from it and you want to get on back to trust. That doesn't mean you're going to get trust right away because trust is very hard to get. It calls for a lot of consistency. It calls for a lot of effort. And so a lot of people don't get to trust. But if you keep asking for them to have faith in you, you eventually will land on trust. And so, you know, you know, faith is, is a final vocabulary word. It's considered a virtue. And it's perhaps probably the highest virtue of all, such as I just have faith. You know, to have faith in God, that is an incredible thing. Because then we understand that our life is not in our hands. We did not create this world. We are on this planet for a reason. And that life has a purpose. And God predetermines that purpose by giving us passions and in giving us uh, the will to do those passions. And once we find those things, we need to grab them and really embellish those things in our life. It's very important to have faith because faith is what gives us the ability to move forward. Many people are naysayers and they don't have faith. They don't have faith in their life and so they live in fear. And when fear enters, faith leaves. When faith enters, fear leaves. And so people don't necessarily understand what it takes to live in faith because if you live in faith, you're going to take a lot of chances and you're going to believe in a lot of people and you're going to do things that you never thought you could have done. You know, when friends say, I have faith, it's, it's, it's really uh, very important to, to stop questioning them and, and lighten up. You know, faith is confidence or trust in a person, in a thing, in a deity, in doctrines or teachings of religion or a view. You know, not everything in life is tangential, meaning you can see it, you can touch it. Many things in life are intangential, and that means that we can't touch them. We just have to believe in them, and, and so that's uh, called a leap of faith. Now, what is faith? Well, faith leads us to trust. It's the bridge to trust, and what is trust? Well, trust is the foundation of all great relationships. You can love someone and not trust them. But that love oftentimes doesn't grow because we don't have the trust there. And so we just tolerate. We put up with because we have to. For instance, children are hard to trust. We love them. We love them unconditionally. We'll do anything for them. But it's really hard for the love to grow when they're going through a period of lying or not being able to be trusted. And so we have a struggle of good and bad with our children because we have a trust issue with them. But when you have trust, when you learn how to be a trustable person, what happens is the relationship will grow. And for instance, you could have a friend that you don't see for 10, 10 years, but you guys have always trusted each other. And then all of a sudden you come back together and that relationship just snaps back together and once again, the trust rolls on. And so that is a very important element. When you're working in therapy, for instance, on a marriage or on a relationship, what you're working on is trust. You can't do a deal with love because love is a feeling. You can't do anything about love. What you have to do is work on trust 
And once again, the big, big, big construction piece that leads to trust is faith. You have to talk about faith to get to trust. I need you to have faith in me. I need you to believe in me. I need you to understand that I want to do better. And once you get to that, you begin to start to see the elements of trust. And what is faith? It's fake it till you make it. That means you act like you trust someone until you do. And so that leap of faith in every decision we make is actually uh, redundant. And since faith, whether moved forward uh, towards something swiftly or slowly, is ultimately a leap. And so rounding up or down from, from evidence, a leap from wondering still to, to not wondering anymore, we work from the evidence at hand to confidence in, a, in an outcome that we eventually will get to. And so once we keep that outcome in mind, we have a better chance of getting to trust. And so once again, will, faith, trust, they all bleed into each other. They all play a role in life. And once we get those words into our vocabulary, once we get them into our final vocabulary, will, faith, and trust, if that in our mind is our elements of, and that fuels us, we're going to have a wonderful life. Now, what is trust? Trust is the foundation of all human connections, you know, from chance encounters to friendships to, to intimate relationship. It governs all the interactions we have with each other. No one would drive a car or walk down a sidewalk or board a train or an airplane if we didn't trust that other people took their responsibilities seriously, and would obey whatever rules apply to the endeavor at hand. So we trust that other drivers will stay in their lanes, that conductors and pilots will be sober and alert, that people will generally do their best to discharge their obligations toward us. Culture, civilization, community, all depend on tr such trust. You know, trust involves the, the juxtaposition of people's loftiest hopes and aspirations with their deepest worries and fears. And that comes from uh, uh, Jeffrey A. Simpson. This description makes it clear why evolutionary history, uh, why, why so many people have trouble trusting. For them, the benefits of closeness and intimacy are overshadowed by the possibility of pain and betrayal. And pain and betrayal, the more weight we give to pain and betrayal, as elements of an outcome that we predict, the less we're going to have will, faith, and trust in our life. And so, you know, the human capacity for trust and trusting isn't, uh, isn't something that we come to on an equal basis. Some people are able to trust more easily than others are. In fact, better at being trustworthy and judging trustworthiness. And once again, the nature of attachment to our caregivers in childhood, whether it's secure or insecure, and is uh, whether it's anxious or avoidant determines how trusting we are because these early attachments provide the working model of how we see the world and the people in it and and so it's trust versus mistrust which is the very first stage of a child's developmental life you know if you if you can live with the assumption that if you need help you can turn to someone you trust the assumption that if you need support, your close person will be there for you and happy to give that help. If you the, the, can recognize that you will be comforted and relieved by the support you're given, if you can go down that alley and live in those kind of vein, in that kind of thinking, 
you're going to have a full and rich life. All these assumptions rely on the, the, the ability to trust. In contrast, you know, anxiously attached people, those exposed to, to a mother or caregiver who's inconsistent and sometimes uh, support a comfort and sometimes absent, they worry that their partner won't be able to re, uh, or be available or responsive at a time of need. And so they live in that element of mistrust in their life and they struggle with the will, with the, with the faith, and with the trust in their life. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and entertained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen for our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with our host, Cynthia Bryan. Then on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Play with us at Be the Star You Are Radio. Radio.com and the Voice America Empowerment Channel. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work-life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Please join Dr. Sarah, a.k.a. Dr. Red, on an amazing journey of love, soul, abundance, compassion, and authenticity. Dr. Red is a well-renowned healer, hypnotherapist, author, and speaker who has overcome personal challenges to emerge stronger than ever before to reach out to you and heal you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for the most informative and enriching experience filled with unbridled laughter and insights on life, health, culture, and society. Tune in to Dr. Red's. Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Are you satisfied with your life? 
Do you know that more should be possible? Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the creators of Access, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane here. Our program offers pragmatic tools to change things in your life that you haven't been able to change until now. What if all of life could come to you with ease, joy, and glory? Tune in to Access Consciousness Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're talking about will, faith, and trust. And that is uh, three key words in life. These are foundations that if we can build those foundations into our brain and integrate those into our character and who we are and how we think, if we can use will, faith, and trust as the mechanisms that we're always looking for in our life as we propel ourselves, our life will be rich and full. And even though we go through hard times, even though we make bad choices, we still will find good outcomes in those bad choices. And and so let's talk about attachment, you know. There was uh, uh, some experiments that was done by Harriet Waters and Everett Waters and and its findings about how scripts or mental representations worked and participants were given a list of words as prompts and they were asked to write a story using these words and a sample set of words might have pertained to like a baby's morning such as mother, baby, play, blanket, hug, smile, story, pretend, teddy bear, lost, found, and nap, those with securely attached bases told stories that were generally full of maternal interaction with a happy and satisfied baby, along with hugs and smiles and teddy bears and, and, and that was maybe lost and then found. And not so far, you know, for the insecurely attached people who, who imagined a nervous mother who gets distracted, they lose their teddy bear. Uh, um, they watch the baby play with their blanket alone in the crib and they decide to tell the baby a story, but then they change their mind. And when they can't find the teddy bear, the baby falls asleep alone in their crib. And that's the kind of stories that the people that are insecurely attached were, would tell. And, and so the words hug and smile were, were uh, never used by, uh, were never even used by participants, but the experiments also used prompts pertaining to adult situations like a car accident, for example, and how the narratives can be consistent depending on whether subjects had a secure uh, uh, attachment or not. And so it's interesting. If you can use words that are generally happy, generally secure, and then bend a story around it, um, you can find out whether a person is securely attached or insecurely attached. And so that is a very important element because the people that are insecurely attached are going to have a hard time understanding will, faith, and trust because they're going to self-defeat. And so those insecure attachments, they're believing in negative outcomes. And so they're going to bend 
positive, secure words into negative outcomes. And so a lot of people build a life of depression based on that type of thinking. And so it's a very important to grasp the concept of these words in our life to be healthy. So now there is a concept uh, uh, Frederick Nietzsche uh, came up with, and he was a, a German philosopher, and, and he developed a concept called the will to power. And it's a prominent concept. The will to power basically describes what Nietzsche may have believed to be the main driving force in human beings, which is achievement, ambition, the, the uh, striving to reach the highest possible position in life. And these are all manifestations of the will to power. However, the concept was never systematically defined in Nietzsche's work, in Nietzsche's work, so leaving its interpretation open to debate. And so what happened was a lot of people bent the philosophy of will to power, such as the Nazis, such as Hitler. He used will to power. As a matter of fact, he went to Nietzsche's home where uh, Nietzsche basically lost his mind, lived with his sister in the end days of his life, could not even speak. But uh, Hitler uh, totally looked up to Nietzsche and used will to power to gain power in the way he operated uh, to create Nazi Germany. And so, yes, it could be used in a very negative way. And once again, it's a philosophy or it could be used in a very positive way. But, you know, Nietzsche argued that we exercise power over other people both by benefiting them or by hurting them. And when we hurt them, we make them feel our power in a crude way. And it's also a dangerous way since they may seek revenge themselves. You know, making someone in debt to us is usually a preferable way to feel a sense of power. Uh, so we thereby extend our power since those we benefit see the advantage of being on our side. So Nietzsche, in fact, argued that causing pain is generally less pleasant than showing kindness and even suggests that cruelty, because it is an inferior option, is a sign that one lacks power. And so it's a way to read people. So we create tables of basically values, and we impose those values on people, judging the world according to them, and it's one uh, noteworthy expression, basically, of the will to power. And, and the, this idea underlines Nietzsche's attempt to understand and evaluate moral systems. And I know this is kind of heady stuff, but the, the strong, the healthy, the masterly types of confidently imposed people that impose their values on the world directly. The weak, by contrast, seek to impose their values in more cunning roundabout by making a strong uh, us feel guilty about their health, about their strength, about their egotism, about their pride. So while the will to power in itself is, is neither good or bad, Nietzsche basically very clearly preferred some ways in which he expresses our, we express ourselves to other people. You know, he didn't advocate the, the, the pursuit of power. Rather, he praised uh, sublimation of the will to power to create activity um, and basically roughing it out uh, he praised those expressions uh, of, of the views as creative and beautiful and life affirming and he criticized expressions of the will to power that he sees as ugly or born a weakness and so basically what we're trying to say is people that use power in a negative way to influence other people are usually weak. It's a weak expression. And so will to power means come with me. Let's go to a better place. Let's take a leap of faith. 
let's begin to see a better outcome. It's an optimistic outcome, and that is the way that the will to power in Nietzsche's view in philosophy was used, to use faith and trust in an outcome that will be better. Let's will ourselves to do that rather than just sit and be where we're at. And so will to power uh, was also, as as, um, he wrote, Nietzsche wrote a great book, it was called Thus Spoke uh, Zarathustra, and Thrustra, sorry, (laughs) but, and I've read the book, believe it or not, I I know I sound retarded, but, um, you know, the deal is, um, this book uh, was wonderful, you know, uh, basically what Nietzsche said was, uh, wherever he found a living thing, he found the, the will to power. You know, here the will to power is applied in a biological realm. That's in this book he wrote. And in a fairly straightforward sense, a person might understand a simple event such as a big fish eating a little fish as a form of the will to power. The big fish demonstrates mastery of its environment by assimilating part of the environment into itself. So Nietzsche took seriously the idea that the will to power might be a a fundamental principle operating throughout the cosmos and that there is constantly a monster of energy without beginning and without end. And and so basically we're eternally self-creating and eternally self-destroying by how we react to our environment and how we assimilate our environment into our lives. So now let's look at the concept of faith versus fear. You know, our our minds are pre-wired to react more strongly to negative information than positive information. So what people tend to do is when they assimilate information, they will go to the fear factor rather than the faith factor. And they stay in that fear world, and that creates self-fulfilling prophecies and negative outcomes. And so people that live in fear uh, basically are in a life that has a lot of negative outcomes. Uh, and because they're self-fulfilling prophecies. For instance, if a person is going to tell their partner, uh, I think we should get divorced, and they continue to say divorce, 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 they're eventually going to get divorced whether they want to or not because both have to begin planning on a divorce in their mind. They have to go, well, we could be together or we could not be together. So one might start sticking money away. Uh, they might divide their checking account. They might start doing things that are single They might begin to have affairs. They might do all kinds of crazy stuff because they keep talking about divorce. And so they keep planning a life that they're going to be divorced. And so eventually that outcome is what we get. You know, and if we look at uh, evolutionary uh, psychology in a perspective, negative information may mean threats to our survival, such as predators. And and if you think about dogs, you know, you're nervous around dogs they're going to recognize your fear. You know, if you're going to pre-program yourself that all dogs are bad and to be scared of dogs because you've had a negative dog experience, uh, what's basically going to happen is that dog, as an animal, is going to read your fear and they're going to go after that. Um, So this is the reason that when a stranger gives you a nasty look, it stays on your mind longer than when someone flashes a smile at you. You know, this is our natural bias towards focusing on the negative uh, becomes even more pronounced during times of uncertainty. So during times of uncertainty, when we're insecure, we're going to read negative into lots and lots of people. When we don't know where to turn, anything that seems potentially dangerous grabs our attention. 
and activates our primitive survival instincts. And so we basically, this fight or flight system is in our reptilian brain is very useful when you are facing a specific uh, physical threat, but it's not helpful when you're facing general uncertainty. Uncertainty is natural and part of the nature of life. But none of our futures are guaranteed, and that's why we need to make the most of our lives by making the most of ourselves, even especially during times of uncertainty. In fact, during uncertainty, our survival instincts can actually steer us in the wrong direction and can quickly make a situation worse. Uh, So, you know, what's needed during periods of uncertainty, it's not this primitive instinct towards biological survival, but rather the capacity to use our higher brain centers to imagine a brighter future. Many people lack the ability to have faith in a positive outcome. They have lack ability to trust in themselves that no matter what they're in, they still can work themselves through it. It's all in how we perceive. You know, it's very important. Um, I often see a lot of people who experience intense Uh, things and they run away with anxiety uh, just at the time when triumph and a turn for the better might have come into play but they all they self-defeat so quickly that they're not able uh, because they give in to fear uh, uh, and they go into that primitive brain of fight or flight and they don't get creative and go wow we can have a better outcome it takes that higher brain it takes the, the ability to have faith have trust have the will to get through difficult things and get to something better. You know, many of the greatest things that have happened in this life have happened through having faith, and, and faith in God especially, but faith and trust and the will to get through the difficulties. Um, that is the higher life that all of us could live if we chose to. So first of all, you know, if we're in with somebody, if let's say I'm talking to somebody that has panic, you know, there's some things that you can do to get people from fear to faith. First, recognize, if you can recognize that you're in a state of panic, you're, you're frankly more than half the way to stop it. So if, if you're not sure if you're in a state of panic, you ask yourself this question, can I choose to stop these unpleasant spiraling thoughts if I want to? And if the answer is yes, then go ahead and do it. And if the answer is no, then you will have just realized that you are panicking. And so the thing about this is, is to refocus and focus your energy on your, on your senses and ask yourself, what am I smelling? What am I seeing? What am I hearing? What are the tastes in my mouth? How, how is my body feeling? And if you intentionally bring your focus away from the scenarios of Armageddon or a negative outcome and start thinking about your present circumstances and what opportunities these circumstances lead to, you will break the chain of runaway thinking because you can't do both simultaneously. Even if you only get a brief respite, you know, any break, no matter how small, is enough to change the direction of your anxiety and help you take an active approach to problem solving. And so once you accept the circumstances you're in, now we can begin to develop choices. And now we can begin to move forward. The other thing is reimagine. You know, you take your doomsday scenario and you rewrite it so that you're not stuck with the same old script. You know, write a good ending. And if you're scared that you will lose all your money in the stock market and imagine the opposite, you know, picture the market changing direction and that you will have more 
than you will ever uh, need. And, and if you've been out of work and are afraid you will never get another job, imagine that you will be inundated with job offers. You know, I'm not suggesting that we uh, just imagine these things, but we have to live as if they're going to happen, and then we have to will ourselves to move through towards that direction. And that is how it's, that is the cognitive gift that gives us resilience in this life. And a lot of people don't have resilience. They live reactively. But if we recognize and refocus and reimagine our circumstances, you'll feel better in the moment and you'll shift from fear to faith. And that in itself is very, very important. You know, if you ask someone to define faith, you'll likely hear someone along the lines of believing something without evidence or belief without proof. You know, there are traditions of both religion and philosophy that accept that view. However, there are other understandings of religious faith that take evidence to be important. And that is many hold that a credible faith is, is a rational faith. Faith and reason are not only consistent in such a view, but in fact, faith in some sense depends on reason. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about trust versus mistrust. And we're going to talk once again about bringing all these elements of will, faith, and trust together in our life to make our life better. Come back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. We all experience grief and loss. It's not something most people like to talk about, but these topics do need to be discussed. On Let's Talk About Grief, host Addie Anderson speaks to both professionals and individuals about grief, death, and personal loss. You'll hear the important topics, the personal and professional outlooks, and learn how to prepare yourself and loved ones when the need arises. Listen Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. We all have the inner ability to use the gifts within ourselves to serve ourselves, our families, loved ones, and our communities. Once you have discovered these gifts and talents, you can promote harmony, peace, and hope. To find out how to harness your own gifts and talents, tune in to Get Ready 
Get ready for your breakthrough with host Felicia A. Hill, live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen and share with others. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're talking about will, faith, and trust, and those keywords to our life's existence. They are not the only keywords in life's existence, but these three play a very key role with each other. And if we live with that value system of understanding will, faith, and trust, we're going to have a full and rich life. Will is the, the, the ability, it's the engine that propels us through hard times, it propels us through difficulty, because anything hard makes your life easier. And when we do hard, our life gets more and more rich because we become experts at things that other people aren't, and that means we, if we have passion behind that expertise, we have the ability to help other people in so many ways. You know, if you look at uh, the word faith and and what it calls for in a religion, uh, you know, I will tell you that that in life, and and I I could not live a good life without God. You know, the truth is, I believe in God, I'm a Christian, and I just do. And I have to tell you that God has played a major role in the existence of my life and doing things in my life that I could not do alone. And and it's very powerful to understand that you're not alone in life, that you are, once you, when you have will, faith, and trust, you become a very attractive person in such a way that you're driving yourself towards a life that other people want to have. And when you have that element going for you, people find you uh, magnetic and they want to come towards you. And so if you can integrate those elements into your life, and the, the good news is, is that when you go towards God, you understand that you learn more about faith. You learn more about trust because he's constant. He's always there. His energy is not uh, about you're not going to get a, a bad mood one day and a good mood another day. 
what you're going to get is a relationship that is constant. And all of us need that in life. And once you, once you have faith in that and once you trust in that, you begin to develop that strong companionship with God and you live your life in a much different way, in a much more harmonious way than when you do things alone. And, and so, you know, I always suggest that people at least go down that avenue to explore what faith in God can give you. Now, I'm not trying to be uh, uh, preaching here. Now, let's talk about trust versus mistrust. Trust versus mistrust is a stage, and it's the, basically the first stage of what Eric Erickson's theory of psychosocial development was. And it occurs between birth and, and the proximity of about 18 months of age. And according to Erickson, the, the trust versus mistrust stage is the most important period in a person's life because it shapes our worldview as well as our personalities. So if we look at the trust versus mistrust stage, this uh, the, 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 the elements, the, the, the parts that consist of that stage is first off the psychosocial conflict, which is trust versus mistrust. Can I trust these people that brought me into this world? Can I trust the people that I'm living with that they're going to take care of my needs? You know, so the, the major question is, can I trust the people around me? And the basic virtue that comes through this phase is hope. That means faith. That means I believe that these people are more constant in their love. I believe these people are, are, are more fulfilling. I believe these people are going to help me in my existence. And so there's a huge element that is involved in that first 18 months of life. And if you don't get them, which many kids don't, uh, the, that trust versus mistrust gets broken and they become very insecure in their life. And so, you know, there's a lot of breeding stock out there. Out there, There's a lot of people that can breed and make kids, but there's not a lot of people who can raise children, who can actually be there in that first stage of life and be that element of trust versus mistrust. You know, we have to look at what happens in this phase because this is critical to whether or not we're going to integrate will, faith, and trust into our life. So in this initial stage... Uh, children learn whether or not they can trust the world. And as you might deduce, it's the care they receive from their parents and other adults that's critical to forming that trust. And because an infant is entirely dependent on their caregivers, the quality of care that the child receives plays an important role in the shaping of the child's personality. So during this, this stage, children learn whether or not they can trust the people around them. When a baby cries, does the caregiver attend to their needs? When they're frightened, does someone comfort them? When they're hungry, does someone uh, give them nourishment? You know, so the, all about that caregiver, that is how you're beginning to shape a child's world and how they're going to walk through life. And an infant's ability to communicate their needs is limited. So crying carries an important message. When a baby cries, there is some need that should be met with a response from the caregiver, whether it involves providing food, safety, fresh diaper, comfort, you know, cuddling. Um, but responding quickly and appropriately to an infant's cries is the foundation of trust that a child establishes is in that phase. And so if a child successfully develops trust, they will feel safe and secure in the world. So caregivers who are inconsistent, emotionally unavailable, or reject the child, 
contribute to the feelings of mistrust in, in children they care for. And so that failure to develop trust can result in fear and a belief that the world is inconsistent and unpredictable. And so Erickson, who developed this, this developmental theory, he believed that these early patterns of trust and mistrust help control or at least exert a powerful influence over an individual's interactions with others for the remainder of their entire life. So those who learn to trust uh, caregivers in infancy will be more likely to form trusting relationships with others throughout the course of their life. You know, so there's also the belief that trust may be genetic. There's been a whole lot of studies devoted to the understanding that what goes on in, in the tendency to be trusting it, 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 but not nearly as, as many in the quest to understand why they, uh, why certain people are more mistrustful than others. It's clear that environment plays a, a big part in both, uh, just as Erickson state. But one study uh, done with female twins, both identical and fraternal, shows evidence that while a trusting personality seems to be at least part genetic, a mistrustful or distrusting personality seems to be learned from family and social influences. So, you know, trust is a, a, a central part of all human relationships. And quite frankly, every argument you will ever have, every conflict you will ever go through, every anxiety, panic you will ever have is a trust issue. And so when we look at romantic partnerships and family life and business operations and politics and medical practices, it's all based off in our reactions with that practice, with that ability, is all related to our ability to trust. And so when you can't get that, when you can't have faith that leads to trust, you are going to have a life of negativity. And that, my friends, is depression. You know, trust is a set of behaviors such as acting in ways that you depend on other people. Trust is a belief and a probability that a person will behave in certain ways. Trust is an abstract mental attitude toward a proposition that someone is dependable. Trust is a feeling of confidence and security that someone cares. Trust is a complex uh, neural process that binds diverse representations into a pointer that includes emotions. And so what we have to understand is when we can do trust, when we can operate with a trusting personality, we can operate from a trusting philosophy, a foundation, we're going to give people a gift and that is something that they strive for. That's something that they care for. And that's called living a good life. That's called living a life where people get something that they may not deserve but what they're getting is something that offers a chance to get the better part of who they are. Behaviors and verbal expressions are certainly evidence for trust. But the biggest thing is, is the word faith. I have faith in you. I believe in you. I know, I know that you can do better. I know that this is a good thing. I trust that you have it in you to get through this difficult situation. You know, trusting people may involve estimations of probabilities of how they will behave, but people will usually trust others without any understanding or probability or any precise predictions about their behavior. Some, some people would say that trust is a proposed attitude or an abstract relation between an abstract self and an abstract meaning of a sentence, but you know, it's, it's understanding by nature 
that when we operate from a trust perspective, we become extremely attractive because trust is so rare in this life. You know, if you change your thoughts, you can change your life. If you change your thoughts, thoughts by creating positive affirmations, you know, uh, the truth is that most people are, are given to making negative affirmations about themselves. But if you, if, if, if you uh, fill your vocabulary with I should or I ought to or I must abstain from or I may stop, I need to stop, well, what you're doing is saying I can't trust myself. You know, positive affirmations are like mantras. They have a, a sacred and spiritual force about them. You know, they, they should um, not be weak. They should be simple, something that we can do. Um, I can do this. That is a, an affirmation. I can do this. I know I can handle this. I will handle this. Not I will try to handle this. I will handle this. And that, once again, using that word will, that means we are going to make it through difficulty. Also, we need to uh, learn to apply a full stop. When we keep uh, mulling over or thinking about our horrible misfortunes and pursue the wrongs uh, that have been committed to us by others uh, that, that, that we've loved or, or, or looked up to, we never stop cursing ourselves from the mistakes and we think that we have committed. So we have... You know, we should have done this or we should have done. And when we dwell on the past, we destroy who we are. You know, you need to let go of the need to be uh, masochistic. You know, quite often we love to wallow in our misery. We enjoy creating self-punishing thoughts or being gloomy or pessimistic. You know, um, we begin to do rituals. Like uh, if I start selling candles, the sun will stop setting. Or if I start... Uh, uh, Say, selling shrouds, people stop dying, you know, whatever. But, but those thoughts, they cause harmful impact on our mind. And we have to change those thoughts. All right, that's our show. I have to thank everybody for listening. Our next show is going to be about depression and anxiety and climbing out of uh, depression and anxiety, being able to be resilient with depression and anxiety and face it and move through it and then begin to trust ourselves to be able to handle it whenever a wave of them comes forward. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you, drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Please contact me right away if you'd like to book a time to do some counseling over the phone or by Skype. Now remember, remember, these days, people are prisoners of their phones. That's why they're called cell phones. Also remember, stupid people can be like a glow stick. You just want to snap them, shake the crap out of them until the light comes on. Thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 